What's going on, Fight fans? Welcome to another episode of the Fixed Fights Podcast with Kurt and Ben. As always, I'm Kurt. I'm here with my main man, Ben. And this week, we are doing a special holiday episode because Thanksgiving is uh, tomorrow. So, Ben, how are you, man? Good, 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 good. Feeling thankful. Uh, pretty good, man. We got. We were just talking about, you know, some light times in MMA right now, like schedule-wise. But it's good. I feel like we always enjoy these these little breaks to, like, step back. I know we did like at the beginning of 2020, for example, like with no MMA whatsoever, uh, when the pandemic started, we stepped back. So these little like mini breaks always feel good. Yeah, they're really nice. And you saw even like, you know, these past couple of weeks, I mean, UFC 267 and 268 back to back were just phenomenal. And then, you know, it kind of tapered off. A lot of people had problems with the card this this weekend, which we're going to talk about in a few. But uh, yeah, it's it's a much needed break. I think we get two full weeks off with uh you know no bellator new ufc obviously there's mma going on but uh at least the mainstream big promotions we got some time off and that is always uh always wanted and always needed because you you do need a bit of a break uh you know just i mean they're stressing with like what like 12 weeks straight of just fight 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 it, get, it gets exhausting even though you know me and you love mma so much but it does get exhausting well we get burned out because they can't possibly have good like, not that, you know, not that this week's card was necessarily bad fights, but they can't just have, like, UFC 267 back to back to back. So no. it causes this, I mean, we talk about it, like, constantly. The burnout in MMA fans is, you know, there are so many fights, they can't all matter. And then you get conditioned to think, oh, not all fights matter, so I'm not going to watch all the fights. And then slowly that's kind of how fandom dissipates, I think. But... Yeah, we need these breaks because when it comes back, then I'm like all hyped again. Yeah, and, and exactly. And it's, you know, I think that's the key. It's like, you know, you kind of get burnt out and then uh, you take a couple weeks off and then that first card back, yeah, you're salivating for it. Even if it's not mm-hmm. the best card, you're still salivating for it. So I think uh, I think they need that, man. Um, yeah. But again, with, with what, six, seven hundred fighters on the roster, it's kind of tough to have too much time off. But, uh, you know. They definitely need yeah. it here and there. I should I should plug our our buddy's uh, prelim primer show. If anybody does not check out Daniel yes. Daniel Breland's prelim primer, if you're looking to like understand the up and comers, like no better place. Uh, and that guy by now has got to have just an insane wealth of knowledge of like every fighter in the UFC. Well, dude, and and you know I've said this before, but like, and I'm sure you've had it happen to you as well. But like, I've mm-hmm. seen some fucking. I've gotten to talk about like the debuts and some of the early fights of some excellent fighters. Uh, you know, Adrian Yanez on this card was yeah. one. I did his debut. Um, I did Cyril Gan's debut. You know, and Cyril yeah. Gan's fighting for a title now. So like, there is a lot of gems on the prelims. And yes, Daniel Breland, prelim primer, doing big things. Uh, me and you are, are always guests on that show, and uh, you know, it gives us a reason to study and and watch a lot of these uh, you know, up and coming fighters on the prelims. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. I got. I, w- I was replaying this event. I got it on the TV behind me on mute right now. And Adrian Yanez is fighting right now. <clears throat> and you were, 
on him, right? I re- I'm pretty sure I remember talking to you and you were like, dude, he's a stud. Like, watch out for him. He's dude. really good. And I did his debut it. for the prelim primer. Yeah, man. And, and it's, Freaking you know, like, he's just taken off, man. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's start at the top of this card. Ketlin Vieira defeats Misha Tate via unanimous decision. I got to go back and watch the fight. I think I'm just, you know, I got maybe got a little bias uh, <laughs> towards Misha because I love her. But she does lose via unanimous decision. I kind of thought she won, but again, I'm a little bit biased. Um, Ketlin Vieira gets a win. I, you know, I don't know how much it does for her besides giving her a name on her record. I saw some people talking about, like, possible title shot, but a... a Frankly, a ho-hum win over Misha Tate, although Misha is a big name. I don't think it gets you gets you a title shot, especially, you know, two girls that have beaten her, Irene Aldana and Yana Kunitskaya, both above her. I know Kunitskaya is uh, pregnant right now, so she's going to be out a while. But this win, uh, in my opinion, doesn't jump Irene Aldana, um, but a win nonetheless. Yeah, and I think you said, you said it right that it was kind of a ho-hum win. <clears throat> she looked... Um, totally like physically overpowering compared to Misha Tate. I know Misha can wrestle, um, but even in the wrestling exchanges, I think it was Misha's like skill and technique that was winning her some of those exchanges. It was clear that Ketlin Vieira hit so much harder. It was clear that anytime Misha came close, she was kind of like ready to be hit hard. Um, And it's not that necessarily the onus I think was on Vieira to like push the pace and Cormier, during the fight correctly called it out. It's like, Hey, if she, if Ketlin Vieira got after Misha Tate a little bit more, she could probably like really hurt her, but she didn't necessarily have to. She knew Misha was going to come forward. She knew Misha was going to try to close the distance. And every time she did, she freaking bopped her. <laughs> uh, I thought Ketlin Vieira's boxing looked good, but yeah, kind of a ho-hum win in a fight that I felt like if she wanted to like really put a stamp on and like make her case for like, Hey, I should be fighting one of these top five girls. Um, she didn't really do it. But that said, a win is a win is a win over a former champion. Um, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, if she if she went out there and and beat Misha Tate and starts her and finished her, maybe we'd be talking about we'd be talking about her in a different light. But I think she kind of coasted. And again, like like you said, a win is a win, right? I mean, she's got to do what she's got to do um, to get the win. But yeah, I don't think it gets her a title shot. Um, she's at six right now. Maybe she fights like in Aspen Lad, although Aspen Lad's coming off a loss at featherweight. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the top the top two obviously maybe Jermaine, Jermaine Durandamy and Holly Holm. I mean, maybe either one of those makes sense. Other than that, I mean, nothing really makes sense. Although I don't think a title shot makes sense either. I think she's just gonna have to go down, like in the rankings wise. The, what I was looking around at. Raquel Pennington, who's nine, and Julia Avila, who's 15, they have a fight. Maybe the winner of that, I think, could make sense. Or Macy Chase on. Yeah. Even then, it's like, who who did Macy just fight? Well, she was supposed to fight Aspen Lab, remember? Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that got pulled off. So maybe she fights so like maybe, a Macy Chase on or something? Yeah. I think for Ketlin Vieira, because like you said, like she lost to, she got knocked out by Irene Aldana. Um, she has these losses against women that are above her. So she might, at this point, she just has to fight down. Um, dude, women's bantamweight. I feel like I've been saying women's flyweight is on the come up, and I still think so. Obviously, strawweight, banging. Women's bantamweight, God, it's a it's a bit of a desert. Like, there is, like, Julia Avila, Carol Rosa, up-and-coming talent, I would 
say but other than that it's like god what's going on at pantomime isn't it still funny on the UFC rankings how like women's featherweight is just a picture of a man in the US <laughs> with two belts? Like there's just there's still just nothing below her. <laughs> I wish it was just like below her, just one through fifteen, and just Amanda Nunez. All it said was Amanda yeah, Nunez. Amanda Nunez. That's it. Um, yeah. On the Misha Tate side, I think Misha actually again like I thought she did pretty well. Um, this is a big step up for her as you know from her Marion Renault fight. I thought she actually looked a lot more comfortable on the feet than she normally does. Um, she just didn't really have the power to to get Vieira yeah. off of her. She didn't really have the wrestling to take Vieira down, which was kind of surprising. And she didn't even go to it all that much. Um, I, I, you know, I, I still think Misha has a place in a division. And Misha's one of those girls, like, kind of like Holly Holm, where she's probably at all times, like, one fight away from a title shot, you know, one good win away from a title shot just based on popularity and name value. Um, so, yeah, I, I think she can make a ton of fun fights. You said Raquel Pennington's matched up with... Uh, Julia you know? Avila. Okay, I was going to say, maybe maybe they do a uh, Raquel Pennington rematch eventually. But uh, yeah. I'm all I'm all for Misha to, to keep, keep on fighting. Yeah, and I think she wants to. It's just, like, I think we kind of saw her ceiling here against like a real physical athletic fighter she's all still gonna have problems it's still like a credit to misha tate um that like i think at this point in her career her best skill is just like her savvy her experience her game planning her fight iq because you could tell even when she had uh ketlin vieira like pinned against the cage it's like misha tate's using 100 effort just to keep her there and it's through like her fight iq her timing her knowledge of when vieira is slowing like basically it's a long way of saying i think misha tate was so physically outmatched in this fight and the fact that it was close um and some people even scored it for tate i think is a credit to misha's like what she brings to the table which is experience and fight iq yeah agreed um let's move on to the co-main event all right Absolutely awesome fight. Sean Brady defeats Michael Chiesa via unanimous decision. Um, really fun fight. Honestly, dude, I was surprised at, at how easily Sean Brady was able to control Michael Chiesa in the grappling exchanges. You know, he got to his back a bunch of times. Um, he had really good control from the back. The only worrisome thing, though, was in that third round, it looked like Sean Brady started to get tired and Michael Chiesa started to really piece him up. Now, I know that there was some talk of that fight being the main event. Dude, I think if that fight was the main event and that fight was five rounds, I honestly think we'd be talking about a different winner today. Because, um, again, Chiesa was coming on strong. Chiesa's striking actually looked really good in the third round. Dude, honestly, I wish Chiesa kind of went after it like that more in the first and second round because I think he could have had a lot – more success. And again, Sean Brady was kind of tired from that, from that grueling fight, but nonetheless a uh, big win for Sean Brady over the always tough Michael Chiesa. Also, I think it's worth noting. I think Sean Brady broke his nose in the very first round, or I should say Chiesa broke Sean Brady's nose. So I think that contributed to Brady's like fatiguing. Um, and I think this was obviously like the biggest step up in competition for Sean Brady. Um, so of course I think it, it's, you would expect him to get tired, especially against a guy who Chiesa is a fucking monstrous welterweight now. Like, that guy looks like he could fight at middleweight. How did he even. fight at 155, dude? Man, it's he insane. was doing himself a disservice, though. I'll say that much because yeah. he looked good. I don't know. I don't I don't take a ton. I don't feel like Brady's stock goes down. No, not at all. Cardio-wise, especially because, like, put it in perspective, 
that was his 15th pro fight. Like he's still like going to be showing improvements. And I'm trying to remember, I've been on the Sean Brady train. I feel like you can vouch for me on this for a long time. Yeah. I don't think, I really don't think I did his, his prelim primer debut either. That would have been, it might've been before I was even doing that show. Um, but man, um, I think Sean Brady's the real, real, especially because of the way he got it done against Chiesa out grappling a grappler. Like you, he's a problem for anybody at 170. Well, those last two wins, I mean, even submitting Jake Matthews in his last fight is a nice uh, feather yeah. in his cap. Here's a million dollar question that he didn't want to answer. Who is next for Sean Brady? Um, I want to say, so I didn't see the post fight interview, but I think in, in some post interview, he did actually like, like it was clear he had a fighter in mind, but I think he, and I'm with this, I, I think this is the fight to make. He had mentioned the winner of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Bilal Muhammad. Dial it up like that. That seems like oh, pretty no, no. clear matchmaking. Um, and that would put him, you know, one, maybe, maybe just even one shot away from the title, depending if he is able to win that fight and win it spectacularly. He's right there. But I think that makes the most sense out of anybody else in that division. I'm with that or or the ultimate testing stick, Neil Magny. Because Neil Magny <laughs> is always going to give people uh, tough problems. Here's, he would. Let me, I was going to say, I think Sean Brady, I think stylistically that's a really easy fight for Sean Brady. Really? Not that Neil Magny's an easy fight at anybody, but I think Sean Brady could just. Chiesa could, did take Neil Magny down, down. Him. But I don't know. Maybe I sell Magny short like everybody else in the world. So I do not. Neil <laughs> Here's a that's question fair. for you. Who, who is the brighter prospect right now, Sean Brady or Hamzat Chimaev? I mean, you got to go. Even though Chimaev has fought lower competition, uh, I think it's Chimaev just because the way he's been doing it. Um, and if we're taking into account like out of cage actions, which dictates like Chimaev is is a long way to answer this question. Chimaev sells himself way better. Yeah. That in and of itself makes him a better prospect because he's going to like get better fights on his way to the top. Sean Brady is exciting, but we saw him in that super awkward interview with Daniel Cormier after this win. He's not a good guy. He's not great at selling himself, which means the UFC is not going to give him the easiest fights to the top, which could stunt his growth. I'm going to go with Chimaev, but Obviously, we've seen – I mean, Sean Brady, his last two opponents have been better than anybody's fought in the UFC, I think. Yeah. Not, maybe maybe not. But did the Leech lose to Jake Matthews? Um, that I, I think don't. so. I think because that was a fight he, like, clawed out Jake Matthews. Oh, eyes. yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I do think – and I think Jake Matthews won that fight. So, if MMA math holds up, I think Sean Brady's last two wins over Chiesa and Jake Matthews – are worth more than Chimaev's one win over the leech, but well, Kiesa, Kiesa is far and away better than anybody Kamzat yeah. has ever fought. True, one hundred percent. But we'll see, man. I mean, you can't really call Sean Brady a prospect I mean, dude, anymore, right? Twenty, dude. At the end of twenty twenty two, I mean, you never know what Kamar Usman's going to be doing. Um, I mean, these guys could be in fighting can... each other in a number one contenders fight room for the title. You you never you know. know. I mean, they're both knocking on that door. Both deserve big name fights uh in their next fights also from a grappling perspective i would love them like chimaev and sean brady eventually meeting up it would be the ultimate clash of like american style grappling versus russian style i think sean Bra sean brady called himself the best grappler in, in the division 
Kamara Usman might have something to say with that. Colby Covington might have something to say. You know, Chemayev might have something to say, but he's up there. He's in that discussion for sure. Do you see Chemayev out there fucking manhandling Jack Hermanson, though? Jesus, bro. <laughs> in that wrestling match. Like, dude, he, started... looked, he looked bigger than Jack Hermanson. And Jack Hermanson is not like a small fucking dude. He's a middleweight. I don't know how Chemayev makes 170. I, don't know, I did see that match. That was crazy. Somebody should, if so if anybody listening or watching doesn't know, like, the videos out there, go look up the, the freestyle wrestling match between Hamzat Shemaev and Jack Hermanson. It's, like, like, in a cage. Right? Yeah. There's smoke or fog, and they start, and there's, like, still people in the cage. They just, like, shake hands <laughs> yeah. and start wrestling. Well, that's just Shemaev, bro. It's, like, he he's, like, he's, like, he's ready going. to fucking go. He, he's on it, man. Uh, Imagine that guy in, like, a jiu-jitsu tournament or something. Probably just wrecking <laughs> hobbyists. Remember there was that there was that picture not too long ago of him floating around with like a gian with like a white belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because all the... up to a jitsu tournament with a white belt on. <laughs> I mean, same as like there was a picture floating around the internet a couple weeks ago of like Bo Nickel with his white belt on. Yeah, he's yeah. a blue belt now, thankfully. But it's like imagine. Speaking of Bo Nickel, I don't think it's going to happen. But Bo Nickel threw his hat in the in the saw that. on a uh, a wrestling match with Hamzat. That would be fucking awesome. I, if Hamza Chabayev could hang with Bo Nichols wrestling, and maybe I'm just being like pro American, maybe I just assume I would Bo assume Nichols Bo would, would would beat Hamza in a straight for sure. wrestling match, not, for not sure. MMA straight wrestling. Oh, MMA is a different story, but right. for if if Hamza Chabayev could like hold his own with wrestling with Bo Nickel, yeah, get out of town. Maybe I'm I need to stop sleeping on Hamza Chabayev. Yeah. Um, moving down on the card, Talia Santos beats Joanne Wood. Not Calderwood anymore, Joanne Wood. Um, that's funny. She, uh, I mean, Telly Santos is has arrived. I mean, again, we, we talked about it. Strawway is on the come up, but I think you got to get Talia Santos in there with Valentina Shevchenko relatively soon. I don't think Valentina has anyone on the horizon. I mean, if you look at the rankings, she beat Andrade, she beat Chukagian, she beat Lauren Murphy, she beat Jennifer Maya, and look who's at number five, Talia Santos. She is what nineteen and one now. Um, I think it's got to be her time, man. She looks fucking dude. She looks fucking awesome. Yeah, I think she fights Shevchenko because Shevchenko beat one through four in the rankings yeah. below her, yep. and then Santos is five. If you don't want to do Santos, if Shevchenko says I want, I need a break, I want to rest, and they don't want to put Santos in there, maybe Santos against Andrea Lee. I think is a fight that could happen, and then. For sure, the winner of that gets a title shot. But yeah, I mean, now's the time for her. She's four fights in a row. And I think her, who did she lose to in her? She lost to Maria Barrella Santos. And that was, if I recall, or Maria really, uh, Romero Barrella, my bad. A really um, disagreeable decision. Yeah. I think she could have won that fight if I remember correctly. So yeah, I think Santos is in there. Maybe the best athlete other than Jessica Andrade that. Valentina Shevchenko has faced in a while. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Valentina needs somebody, so yeah, why not? Um, yeah. Moving down, Ronnie Yahas still doing it. Crazy. I mean, dude, he made his debut in like 1980. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, he made his debut in 2002, dude. He was fighting in the WC in like, what, 2007. I mean, this guy has been at it forever. And he's like one of those guys like Damian Maya where he is, he's a specialist and he's still out there Getting wins by jiu-jitsu. He shoots bad takedowns. He's not afraid to pull guard, but he'll pull guard. He'll sweep you. He'll get to your back. 
and it is impossible to shake that dude off. Props to Yanni Yaha. Yeah. Well, and dude, Kyung Ho, Kyung Ho Kang was like getting taken down by leg kicks in every single <laughs> yeah. round. It's like, dude, did you had, had you had no idea how this guy wanted to fight you? You're just gonna like throw soft leg kicks and get taken down three times. Yeah. Um, agreed. Adrian Yanez, we talked about him a little bit before. Uh, wins via split decision. I one of those judges gave Davy Grant a thirty to twenty seven decision. I have no idea how uh, Yanez clearly won that fight. He had Grant busted up. I mean, God, th- thank God he actually won the fight, um, and they didn't completely screw him. But dude, Adrian Yanez is here. I don't know how there is not a, a, a number next to his name, but. Dude, take your pick. He needs a he needs to fight a top fifteen dude next, no question. And again, take your pick. Any of these guys up here would be fucking awesome, dude. Listen, man, they're both coming off wins. How about fucking Adrian Yanez versus Marlon Barra? Ooh, I'm into that. If you want to give him, I mean, that would be a big step up. But I think That's he's a ready huge for step it. up, dude. He is ready for it, 100. I know. Um. I think was he talking or somebody was talking about I think he they called each other out. Sean O'Malley Sean has O'Malley. a fight lined up. And I think if win or lose, Sean O'Malley could fight. Who is Sean O'Malley's fighting? I think Holly Ho- Paiva. Okay. That's a risky fight for him. But if Sean O'Malley wins that fight or loses that fight, I would like to see him fight Adrian Yanez as well. But yeah, I mean Marlon Vera coming off a win. Yeah, dude. If you want to, if Adrian Yanez feels like now is the time, because I mean, if he's able to get past Vera, then the kind of the sky's the limit at Bantamweight. The sky's the limit. Uh, dude, Pedro Munoz would be a fucking amazing. That, that would, that honestly would actually be an insane fight. Um, yeah, yeah, give me, give me either of those. Give me Sean O'Malley. Um, give me somebody because, because mm-hmm, Adrian sure. Yanez deserves it and that dude is coming. Yeah. Um, anyone else on these prelims that you want to give a shout out to? I mean, we basically talked about all the fights. I know Cody Durden rightfully got skewered by the internet for saying some racist shit after his fight. Did not make and a lot of fans. I don't know if, you know, typically the UFC, Dana White is pretty much like, oh, you could say whatever you want. So I don't think the UFC is going to punish him or anything. I don't think, um, I don't think they're, they're going to like cancel his contract or anything like that. No. I do think though, sometimes in situations like this, where you have a prelim fighter that, basically doesn't no disrespect to Cody Durden and what he brings to the table, but doesn't put asses in the seats, doesn't sell tickets on his own. Even though the UFC won't like cancel him, they will give him hard fights because they're probably like, okay, like this guy kind of gives us trouble. Let's at least make him go away quietly without appearing, you know, the UFC, the last thing in the world they want to do is appear woke. So they would never (laughs) actually punish somebody for saying racist (laughs) stuff. But like now everybody wants to fucking fight him. I saw Tim Elliott was out there saying, I beat woman beaters and racists. I'll take him. I'd be okay with that. However, Cody Durden's pretty fucking good, I he think. Good. So it's Muhammad uh, Mokayev called him out too. He's the uh, the new signee. That dude is a fucking monster. I could get down with that because yeah. did you watch did you watch any of that guy's appearance on Ariel Hawani's uh, yeah, show? Yeah, I, I watched bits and pieces, yeah. He is super well spoken, seems yeah. super mature, and yeah, like it's a stunt yeah. too. Yeah, throw him in there against a guy that everybody now wants to see lose. I think that's a great way to kick off his UFC career. Absolutely. Um, all right, we put this card to bed. Pat Sabatini, I'll shoot him up. Uh, yeah. Shoot him out. He, dude is a stud. Uh, dude. What is it? 11 fights, 10 decisions. 
But not every Dude, car could be UFC 268. And Pat Sabatini, it's a it's it's a shame because he's now three and zero in the UFC. Um, a stud from that like Daniel Gracie team, but in my head, I will never for he's always associated with the guy who had his like arm completely ripped out in in a CFFC fight. Do you remember that? That's uh, James Gonzalez. He like stood up out of like a mirror lock or something, yes, and his arm yep. just completely like that's all I can think of. I know he's now beaten three guys in the UFC. Still, sorry, Pat Sabatini. I'm still just picturing your fucking mangled arm. Agreed. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on. Um, kind of got some bits and pieces from here because again, we have a couple weeks off from a uh, big UFC and Bellator action. But let's talk on the uh, Bellator side. We didn't get to talk about it last week, but Chris Cyborg went out there and did what she does. She she smoked. Um, what was her name? Sinead Kavanaugh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> Again, we said it last time. It could have been Sinead O'Connor, Sinead Kavanaugh, Sinead, whoever. She was going to smoke him. I cannot, like, for the life of me. And again, I think it's a lot of, like, people are, again, Cyborg's been around forever. Newer fans probably only remember Cyborg from getting knocked out by Amanda Nunes. But, like, I hear all this talk about, like, and again, I know it's, I know it's really hard to get around the Amanda Nunez knockout because she did get knocked out. But like to discredit Chris Cyborg in the women's pound for pound and the women's goat rankings is absurd. I mean, this lady is literally Ben. If you put the the definition of MMA violence in the dictionary, you could literally have a picture of Chris Cyborg. She is all action. She is all violence. She is all skill. And uh, dude. I always say it, man. She's one of those fighters where you have to appreciate while she's here because she's not going to be here forever. But, dude, she is fucking awesome. She is one of my favorite fighters in the sports history. Um, she goes out there and gets another big win. And I think she's positioned herself really well to get that Kayla Harrison fight. Kayla Harrison is now a free agent. Kayla Harrison was was there. They both kind of made mentions of fighting each other. I know that the UFC option is going to be there for Kayla Harrison, but I think at this point, I don't think Kayla Harrison is going to go back to the PFL unless the PFL can maybe wrangle in a couple of other fighters. I know they got Julia Budd, um, but dude, I, I think I strike while the iron's hot, man. Get get Kayla Harrison in there with Chris Cyborg right now. Yeah, dude, I'm with you. Um, a couple things. We've been, I feel like the way we talk about Cyborg should be kind of similar to it's going to sound crazy the way we talk about Fedor. We've been talking yes. about Fedor and Milianenko recently a lot. And a part of what makes him so legendary, so spectacular, is that even though he's like for sure aged and, and physically declined, his style has not really changed. He's always violent, always exciting, always going for the finish. Um, and yeah, say what you will about some of Cyborg's recent opponents. Bellator's given her the best they can. Best they can. Um, but with you, like, she is the epitome of violence. She is um, somebody who fights like Vanderlei Silva and has been able to keep that up her entire career. Like has has just pure violence and again, like another relatively quick overpowering stoppage. You saw it here in this fight. Um, but dude, on the, the Kayla Harrison tip, I know Harrison has said in the media that like, let me see, I, I'm looking at this. I'm going to read you some quotes from this MMA fighting interview. Um, 
she does say by no means is PFL not on the table. So everyone is clear. Yeah. Um, she has good things to say about the PFL, but I think that's just her kind of keeping her options open because here's some quotes from Kayla Harrison. Um, I do want to fight her. She's talking about cyborg and I do need to fight her. I'm the young, hungry, up and coming killer. She's a trailblazer. She absolutely is. The only problem is I'm on that trail now. I'm on her heels and I'm coming for her. Maybe she doesn't need to fight me or maybe she doesn't need to fight me. And that's why she's saying that. That's fine too. But I'm going to pursue it with everything I have because I want to be the best. I want to be the greatest. That's it. So yeah, man. Bellator has deep pockets. They're owned by Viacom. Like I know Bellator cannot hold a candle in terms of viewership, partly because they're on Showtime to the UFC. But don't get it twisted. People... Bellator can pay humongous salaries because they're owned by a big parent company. Um, so but, just because they're not the number one doesn't right. mean they can't pay like that. But let me ask you this. Bellator signs Kayla Harrison. Bellator makes Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg for the featherweight championship. Is that not the biggest fight in women's MMA currently? Obviously, it's the flip side. If she went and fought Amanda Nunes, that's the biggest fight. But is Juliana Pena versus... Kayla Harrison. No. Is uh, is Amanda Nunes versus let's go down this list. Uh no, no. You know what I'm saying? Like that mm-hmm. is literally the biggest fight you could make in MMA currently on the women's side. And I don't even think it's particularly close. Yeah, Amanda Nunes is is the best probably women's fighter in the world, but none of these girls as the B side are going to hold a candle to that fight. Yeah, honestly, and I'm racking my brain for any potential women's MMA fights that could be bigger like cross like you know a fight like Rose Demi against Valentina that's not on anybody's radar and that doesn't get me going as much like even the the super fights that could potentially happen okay the one the are, one are not would that probably exciting. be Amanda versus Valentina three that is probably equal to Kayla versus Cyborg but other than that I I, I can't see one I mean, Kayla versus Cyborg brings, for me, that brings more intrigue because I am much more curious about how does Kayla Harrison do against another a bigger step up in competition. I would, I think, yeah, I'm with you, man. And that would be one of the most anticipated fights. Let's say that happens in 2022. I think the moment that fight gets signed, it's one of the most anticipated fights, period, in the, of the year in, in all of MMA. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what, what do you want to see more? Uh Ketlin Beer versus Amanda Nunes or Kayla Harrison yeah. versus Chris yeah. Cyborg. You know what I'm saying? For real. Yeah. I, I do think I do think the UFC still is in play as well. I mean, they got the deepest pockets of them all. I think Kayla has proven herself to be an absolute stud. She speaks well. She looks great. I mean, in the cage, she fucking is a is a mauler. Um, big thing is on the horizon for Kayla Harrison. I, I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, and people seem to forget, even though she's been fighting at 155 in the PFL, I feel like I need to say this every time, she made 145 really easy in that in that one-off Invicta fight. So don't think that weight is going to be an issue at all here. I think 145, she can beat Cyborg, she can beat Nunez there pretty easy. What do you think uh, – what do you think the odds would be for a, a Chris Cyborg-Kayla Harrison fight right now? <sighs> Man, that's a great question. I would favor Cyborg maybe to the tune of like minus 200, something like that. It might. Who knows? I thought thought Cyborg would maybe be like minus like 150-ish, minus 170. That's pretty close to what I said. Let me see 
Sometimes they have prospective odds. I don't think. Kayla Harrison versus Cyborg. Oh, wow. Holy shit. On, I'm on best fight odds. I don't know what book this is on. But right now, they have Cyborg as minus 200. Okay. Kayla Harrison yeah. is plus 170. They're spot on. But, dude, that's a fucking shot in the dark. Like, I'm still be – I would have – like – I would favor Chris Cyborg to win that fight right now. I would favor Chris Cyborg, but like if Kayla Harrison went out there and like fucking judo tossed her and and beat her up on the ground, I would be surprised, but I'd also be like, well, this is what Kayla Harrison does. Like true. I can't be that surprised. That is true. Yeah. Um I hope I I really do hope we see it. I think so. I mean, those quotes I just read you, it sounds like Kayla Harrison's not fucking her. She's still saying nice things about the PFL, but her just being like, I have to have this fight against Cyborg. Like, okay. I mean, I bet Bellator can make it happen. I mean, I, th- I think you do, man. I really do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she's at that point. We, we've said it before that she wants to prove that she is the best in the world. And and the only way to do it is fighting Amanda Nunes or Chris Cyborg. Yeah. 100%. What, what are the chances? And, and as silly as this is going to sound, you know, it is, is a very real possibility. What are the chances that Conor McGregor comes back and actually gets a fucking title shot? It's so slim. I know he's – we're referring to – I think the tweets have now been deleted, but like – Yeah, him and John – I don't know who deletes more tweets, him or John Jones. At least McGregor – I know we're getting a little off topic here. McGregor then tweet, like admitted it. That's like I am the media. I delete my tweets on purpose because I know everybody's going to report them anyway. Like at least he – John Jones – deletes his tweets i think sometimes because he genuinely is like oh shit i shouldn't have said that <laughs> but mcgregor does it just because he knows people are gonna write stories about it anyway but he's st- he did say my next fight is whoever's holding the ufc lightweight yeah. belt i just don't i mean he's gonna fight charles Oliveira. probably well, that's not the thing. if charles is he gonna Oliveira fight dustin poirier at hey. least the dustin poirier fight you could sell if he, if, he, if charles Oliveira wins there is no possible way you can spin that they don't have any beef i mean charles Oliveira would be on a, a 10 fight win streak you know his first yeah. defense of the title at least that's some poirier there's there's hatred you know both of those recent two pay-per-views did a ton of money um i can't see it happening but i mean it is conor mcgregor yeah i think he's just saying shit at this point he's lost so much of his cachet of like us hanging on his words that saying stuff doesn't really mean much anymore from him Feel like he's he's lost it all. Um, last one uh, for the odds and ends. Then we'll get to our last little topic. What what would be your interest level in a Ultimate Fighter season with Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal? Pretty, maybe double of what my current interest is, which is pretty low in the Ultimate Fighter. I did watch one season of the reboot or the reboot. They didn't change much. Of of this last, I watched one episode. Excuse me, of this um, last season. The thing is, I really, 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 really struggle to watch and listen to Colby Covington interviews. So, as entertaining as that might be, and that I think that's a really smart plan for them. I don't know if I could sit through Colby Covington talking unless he kind of changes it. I know when Chael Sonnen was on that show, he like kind of dropped a lot of his gimmick. He still brought a like kept some of his gimmick, but he still dropped a lot of his gimmick and that endeared him, I think, to a lot of people. 
I would be more interested than a normal season, but is it going to get me to watch every episode? Probably not. Probably not. Um, I think that is is the – I think that's the, the way they, they have to yeah. go, right? I mean, you brought the Ultimate Fighter back. Masvidal still has some sort of popularity. Colby had a really good showing for himself in the Kamaru Usman fight. I think that's what they're going to do. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, I'd be really into it because I honestly did like this past season of the Ultimate Fighter um, I thought they changed some things. I thought it was less drama, more um, focus on the fighters. But then again, you throw Colby Covington and Kamaru Us- or um, Jorge Masvidal in there, it could turn into all just bullshit drama. So we'll, we'll see. The the in-house bullshit drama I don't typically enjoy a ton of. I will say, though, Colby and, and Masvidal could lead to a similar pairing that was uh, Rashad and Rampage, yes. which is an all-time... Like, I want Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal face-to-face saying, call me a bitch, you a bitch, call me a bitch, you a bitch. But That's what I want. Remember, and that is still to this day, <laughs> one of the fights that I was most excited for, and it was the worst fight <laughs> I have ever fucking seen. These guys went months of talking shit, saying they were going to kill each other, and it was horrible. That was one of the, <laughs> the UFC's biggest selling pay-per-views of yes. like, that year or even the several years around it it was huge these guys were gonna kill each other like literally like they had some intense shit they were saying to each other we're like oh shit and it was just trash it was just rashad hitting a beautiful double leg two of the three rounds i'm pretty sure hey rampage coming back to boxing the third yeah oh Oh, yeah he's fighting um (laughs) shannon Briggs. good for him jesus christ man (laughs) um all right, man. Let's uh, end the show with this. It is Thanksgiving week. Um, give me something that you're thankful for in MMA. Man, I got a couple ideas floating around in my head. Um, I'm gonna say because I have I have one like uh, concept that I'm thankful for in MMA. I should say, but one person. This guy I think does not get enough credit, even though he's the heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Ngannou. Here's why I'm thankful for him. One, years before, I know Stipe Miocic and even Daniel Cormier to a degree, part of their appeal as the heavyweight champion was that they were relatable, right? Cormier feels like your middle school wrestling coach. Stipe feels like your fucking neighbor with a leaf blower. <laughs> I Like, that does not appeal to me. What I look for in a heavyweight champion is somebody who is scary, somebody who is like, special somebody who feels like this is the only fucking guy in the world that can do this he is unequivocally the baddest dude on the planet i think francis Ngannou brings that to the table i'm also thankful for him uh to the extent that he like calls out the ufc on their bullshit he still is obviously like he's not running to other promotions but he and i can't remember who he's managed by but they fucking play hardball with the ufc in the media calling them out on their bullshit, calling them out, like laying bare the facts of how the UFC negotiates with him. Um, And I appreciate that. And I'm thankful for him because I feel like not enough people give Francis Ngannou the credit he deserves as somebody who has the potential to be like a transcendental star, I think in the sport, but also looks the part of a fucking heavyweight champion and an MMA. I want my heavyweight champion to be like a Mike Tyson style, terrifying humongous guy that's what i want uh so i'm thankful for francis and ganu yeah I, I can echo that and again he has one of the most inspirational backstories yeah. um you could have i mean it's crazy like he's just a guy you want to root for and again like 
I struggle with that in a Stipe Miocic fight because you want to root for like the American, right? And Stipe himself is just a great guy. But that story with Francis Ngannou, um, dude, it's just it's amazing. And, and I echo everything you say. Uh, I'm going to be thankful for a fighter as well. Uh, Jake Paul. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, uh, no, I'm kidding. I, I really I, I am kidding. But I will say this. I know we literally just gave her a shine, but I'm going to give it again. I'm thankful for Chris Cyborg. Again, she's one of my favorite fighters. Um, don't have to go into a whole spiel again, but uh, I, I don't think, you know, she's 36 years old. She's had 26 fights. She's had wars. Um, man, go back and watch this Chris Cyborg highlight reel. It is just all violence. She is very good with charity. She just seems like a really, really sweet person. So I'm thankful for Chris Cyborg. Keep doing your thing, Cyborg. And I do hope you get that Kayla Harrison fight. Yeah. I'm I'm into it, and she's another one who just doesn't get enough credit. She's kind of like Nganu, I feel like doesn't get enough shine. I have been lucky enough to see her fight um, in Bellator, and it, she does. I know I made the comparison to Fedor earlier. She does kind of get that everybody is like excited just to like kind of be in her presence, knowing yeah. um, kind of what she's accomplished in the sport is a big deal. You have any more you're uh, thankful for? Well, dude, let's. Here's here's my only other thing, because it's kind of relates to to Chris Cyborg. I was gonna say like competing organizations to the UFC, but now that I, yeah. I'm gonna change it, I'm thankful for tournaments in MMA because without yeah. tournaments, I don't think I would care at all about the PFL, which has brought me a ton of like if the PFL was just doing regular old like matchmaking, it's highly unlikely. I am like following it to the level that I do and getting the level of entertainment out of it that I do. Um, and then on the flip side, we also have Bellator doing these tournaments that I think is like really, again, they don't hold any like weight compared to the viewership that the UFC has or the power that the UFC has. But if you're a hardcore MMA fan, the tournaments I think are really like drawing you in. That's what the They're sport's making... predicated on too. Exactly. Like, you know, and we got, the tournament brought us fucking AJ McKee. Yes. Like a guy like who reached the peak through. Uh, I'm going on and on here, but I feel like AJ McKee as a homegrown Bellator star, if they weren't doing a tournament, there's always going to like, he would have been given matches on his way to the title that Bellator wants to give him probably. And, and there would always be, you'd be like, Oh, fucking AJ McKee got gifted a title shot. Instead, here he is, a true homegrown star, undefeated, and he fought his way to the title. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think it's good that there's tournaments that can compete with the UFC. So it was MMA yeah, tournaments. It was cool to see his like run culminate with the tournament exactly. victory against one of the best fighters in the world. You know what I'm exactly. saying? That that was cool. Um, it it legitimized his exactly. his record completely. My last one or my last one. I'm thankful for fans being back in the building. And again, like I just experienced it at UFC 268, but like the apex was cool. And, you know, we, we went through the COVID era with, you know, no fights for a while and then no fans for a while, but just being in that environment and hearing the fans back. And again, the fans aren't always like the fans suck sometimes, right? Like with the booing and the wooing and some of the shit they do. But when you get some of the reactions from the fans like that, Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler fight, just being in that atmosphere was like, it was unreal. It's something that like, I feel like I'm going to be able to tell my, it sounds cliche, but like tell my kids someday, like, boom, like I was at this fight. I was in there. Like I could feel it. I could experience it. Um, so I'm thankful for the fans being back. I really do think they add 
right? We talked about this before. Like, fans add moments to fights, right? Just like commentators can. You know what I'm saying? Just like the fighters do. I, I think they, they add a certain element to the fights, whether it be good or bad, most of the time good. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for fans being back, able to enjoy the fights live. I'm with that. And I don't think if UFC 268 had happened at the Apex, I don't think we're talking about it as the best event of the year. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was not only did it in, improve the like viewing experience from home, like I wasn't there like you, but uh, I also think it improves performances to a degree. I think Absolutely. at some level, like having fights in the Apex, you're going to get some improvements because fighters can hear their coaches they're more in tune but i also think we saw like way more kind of impassioned performances at msg with a full crowd behind them absolutely man um all right man you got anything else i think that's it for me oh hey how was colorado beautiful it was my first time i can't wait to go back dude we we like because they had closed certain parts of the road in Rocky Mountain National Park, but you could like walk through and bring Dude. your dogs and everything. How completely, awesome was that park, man? Completely deserted parts of the park. Yeah, it's just it's, it's incredible. It's, it's it's unreal. It's such yeah. a cool place. And man, I've been living just like a drive away the whole the whole time. I, I definitely plan to go back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, man. Uh, Thanks, everyone listening. Enjoy the holidays eat a lot of turkey or whatever you eat please hit us with a follow and a subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast youtube spotify soundcloud and itunes we'll talk to you all soon face the pain